everybody. Wow, tonight has been so fun, right? I feel like, so during worship, it was just, it was just beautiful, but I was like bawling my eyes out because I'm looking around at you guys and I'm like, these are just people who love God and we're here and we're anticipating and we're excited. And I feel like where we're going in Acts tonight, that's, that's what we're looking for. It's an invitation to those people of anticipation to say yes to what God is doing. So I'm super excited. Um, I initially had like 12 pages of notes for you guys. We're not going there, I don't think. But we're gonna see where this goes. It's gonna be fun. I'm a very notes person, so this, is, this, could, be, this could be fun, or it could be not so fun. But I'm thinking fun, because tonight's good. I can feel it, that God is, he's up to something, and I hope you're excited, because I feel excited. Um, but we'll get into it, because we're gonna take a little journey still. Um, if you guys wanna open up your Bibles to Acts 5, that is where we're at tonight, Acts 5, verse 12. And actually, I'm going to make you guys all stand up again. Stand up with me, and we're going to read God's word together. Acts 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Amen. You guys can sit down. So, miracles. That's what we're looking at. We come into verse 12, and God is moving. People are getting healed. People are being touched by God. And I think that after we read a passage like that, I just want you guys to do a little self-check-in. What do you feel after you read a passage like that? You read about miracles and acts, and is it, do you feel that anticipation of like, oh, I want to see God do it again? Is it kind of a feeling of like, wow, that's awesome. Early church, right on. Or maybe it's like, I don't really feel anything. Where are you, where are you going with this? And that, that's okay, too. I want you guys to know however you react when you hear about, when you read about, when somebody tells you about the miracles of God, whatever that reaction is, is a really good gauge to see where, where you're at in what you believe and what you think to be true about God. And also, however you are feeling, however you do react, whether it's nothing or it is this like full, exciting anticipation, wherever you're at on the spectrum is totally okay. There's people with you. I think tonight, God is inviting us that wherever we're at on that spectrum to take another step forward, to take another step into what he has. And so I think after we take that initial note of, okay, how do I feel? Where am I going with this? That we would invite the Holy Spirit right now to do whatever he wants. And I think that, I mean, the stage has already been set for that tonight. God's gonna do what he wants. And we're, we're excited, right? I think so. And so we just wanna be close to his heart. And the best way to be close to his heart is we're just going to start tonight with his word. We're going to start in Acts 5, and we're going to see what he has there. But before we get to verse 12, I want to zoom out just a little bit. I want to zoom out um, to earlier in Acts that we can kind of see there's a prayer that's said in Acts 4. And it's the disciples, and they're praying for boldness. It's Acts 4, 29 through 30. 
And it says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see this immediate answer in verse 31. They get the boldness. But then we come to verse 12 and we see the miracles, the ones that they asked for. Now, between chapter 4, what we just saw, and 5, 12, where we are tonight, there's a break, right? There's the break with Ananias and Sapphira that Alex talked about last week, so I don't have to talk about today. And we also see this radical generosity of the church. We see the church giving of what they have. They're taking care of other people. And there's part of me when I first read that that was like, this is a cool, cool story, but why, like, why the break between the prayer and the answer? So actually, this is why I love the Bible. The Bible is so fun. But Luke is being super intentional when he puts this break in there. Because what this break is showing us is what the people of God are supposed to be. So if we think back, Acts 2, Pentecost, right? We've talked about this, House of Acts. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell and live in the people of Jesus. So until that time, the place where the Spirit of God stayed, the place where people would go to meet with God, was the temple. Pentecost said... The coming of the Holy Spirit said, no longer does God live in temples, but he lives in people. He lives in this new covenant family of Jesus. So Luke takes this break, and this isn't the only reason for it, but part of the reason why he steps back and says, look at the radical generosity of the church, look at them care for one another, is because he's also pointing back to something that we'll see in the Torah, specifically in Deuteronomy 14, 15, where the role of the temple at the time was to take care of the people was to give of what they had, that people would come and they would give to God so that it could be dispersed and people would be taken care of. So what we're seeing again is Luke saying, no, look again, it's not the temple anymore. It's the people of God. It's the people who say, oh no, I follow Jesus. It's now Jesus' followers are this new temple. Jesus' followers are the place where the presence of God lives. And because of that, they're the ones taking care of people, but also... It sets us up to come to verse 12 and see, okay, this is what it looks like for Jesus' people to be the temple. He is gonna meet people with his healing presence, with his generosity, with his goodness. All the things that happen in the presence of God are now happening in the presence of these people because his presence lives with them. So what we see when we come to Acts chapter 5, 12, and we're like, whoa, miracles are happening. Luke is like, yeah, the stuff that happens in the presence of God is gonna happen when Jesus' people get together when Jesus' people say yes to what he's doing. So that's where we start Acts 5:12 with, with this knowledge, okay, we are the temple of God. We are the people who carry his presence. So when we come and they're saying, now many signs and wonders are regularly done, we're not surprised. Yeah, regularly, God is going to do stuff because he is in these people. He is gonna use you, he's gonna use me, he's gonna use the apostles because the spirit of God is in them and is working through them and wants to move and wants to heal and wants to do all these things. And that's where we come and we see verse 12. And I think that we, we come there and it's like, okay, these signs and wonders, they're a regular part of the apostles' life. Christians gather together and this verse is like answering the question for us, okay, what should the life of a Christian look like? What should the life of a church look like? It's telling us, St. Hill, what should church look like? He's saying, oh, all the things that happen in the presence of God should happen when you get together. Super simple. But sometimes the simple things are the hardest, right? Because we come, we're like, yeah, these things should be happening. We want to see them. We want to know them. But there's also a cost, right? 
So the, the apostles, they're coming, but remember they prayed for boldness. They prayed for boldness because they were facing persecution. There was people who wanted them in prison, people who wanted them dead, but they said, nope, we're gonna gather anyway. We're gonna ask to see God move anyway because we know this is, this is our new job as the new temple, is to be these people. So they counted the cost and they said, nope, it's worth it. And for us as the church today, we are super blessed because it's not death or prison that we're thinking about, but there is a cost. You guys are here, it's your Sunday night, you guys have places to be tomorrow, you have school, or you have kids that you're bringing here late and maybe on the way home you get a meltdown because we went over or whatever happens. But you count the cost and you say yes because you say, no, I wanna be where Jesus is up to something and I believe he's up to something when his people gather and so we count the cost and we say yes. And let's be those people that we come here and we say, Jesus, you are worthy of it all, our time, our attention, whatever the cost is. And it's, the cost could be greater than inconvenience. It could be losing a job or friends or whatever it might be in the future. We don't know what the world's gonna look like, but we say today and forever we count the cost and Jesus is worth it. His way is worth it. But if we're looking at this text, not everyone is gonna count that cost the same. You see in verse 13, it says, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Which kind of seems like it's contradicting itself. It's like, so no one did, but then all the people, like the rest of them. So when it's talking about the rest, none of the rest dared join them. It's talking about, um, most theologians will tell you that it's the rich people. It's those people in high authority. It's the people, guys remember Ananias from last week? It's people like him. So it's people in that same social group, that same area, and they're looking. I mean, you could speculate that maybe they watched what happened to Ananias, and they said, nope, that's, don't want that to happen to me, that's for sure, so I'm afraid, I'm gonna step back. Or maybe they just watched what was happening with the people, like all the people coming to Jesus, they're like, there's weird stuff happening, like, I don't wanna get close to it. Or, I don't, I can't tell you why they were afraid, but they were too afraid to get close. They let what they had seen they let what they had heard, they let their experience dictate what they would decide rather than wanting to listen in and join in with what God would say was true about them. And fear, if we let it, is gonna do the same thing to us. If we let it, fear can keep us from the presence of God. If we choose our experience, or we choose a story that we've heard, or we choose something from the media, whatever it is, to say, oh no, that's, that's what's true over what God says is true, we're gonna miss out on his presence, just like they did. But the masses, so the rest of the people, not the rest, the people, they are holding on to what they see. They see what's happening with the people of Jesus and they see it as precious. And they're willing to get close. And so they do. And as they do, verse 14 tells us, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, both men and women. This, the biggest miracle is taking place as people encounter the works of God is that they're meeting him. It's not that they're just getting to receive a miracle, they're meeting Jesus and believers are being added. More people saying, yeah, not, I don't just want like the miracle, but I want where it's, like I wanna know him, I wanna know the source, I wanna know where you guys are like getting everything you're doing. And because of that, they're added, it says that they're added to the Lord, both men and women, more than ever. So you're seeing just this flood of people changing their heart to partner with God. And so these people, they are expecting more of the Jesus stuff. They're expecting more of the miracles that they're seeing to happen. Because in verse 15, it says, they even carried out the sick into the streets, laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, that just his shadow would fall on them. 
These believers live in such a culture of expectancy, such a culture of, oh, we just want to like see God do something. So we're going to bring anybody who's sick, just put them out there. If Peter's shadow touches them, it's going to heal them. And they have this, this idea that God's not going to fail them, that God's going to do the things that they're seeing him do, that God's going to fulfill the role of the temple through these Jesus people. So they're getting around Jesus people. And I can't read that and help but think, what if Saints Hill was full of people that when you're around them, when you're around me, when you're around anybody at this church, that you can't help but be touched by his presence? That you can't help but get hungry because you meet them and you say, oh, let me, like, let me meet the source. Let me meet the source of what's going on around you. And in seeing Jesus move, they get introduced to Jesus himself. And again, that's the biggest miracle of all being invited to a life back in partnership with him. And that's what people will leave with. That's what people leave you with. And that's what I pray is the legacy of our church. That is it's a group of people that goes out into the world and people just are gravitating towards you because the things that Jesus does are happening around you. That's the inheritance that this is leaving us with. That people around the city, around Newburgh, beyond that, around the world, would see the shadows of these Jesus people and say, oh, I just want to be near them. I want to be near where the presence and the power of God is coming from and they would meet Jesus in the process. And it doesn't leave us here, doesn't leave us with, okay, they just laid everybody in the streets, and then there's that anticipation. Verse 18 continues, and it says, the people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, they're coming from everywhere, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Not just some, not just the ones who wanted it enough or who asked enough times, they all were healed. The name and power of Jesus through his covenant people brought healing to all who showed up. Healing of the mind, the heart, the body, and an invitation to a new way of life. To be added to this group of people who is saying, we are now the temple of God. We are where his presence dwells. And I think for a lot of us, we read that. And it is, it's exciting, and there's promise, and there's, there's testimony, and there's an inheritance for us to take on to, but there's also this feeling of, Okay, like, I read that, it's awesome, but I'm not seeing it for me. I'm not seeing that in my life. I mean, I would even say, like, as much as we're seeing God do here, we're like, well, it's not like people are banging down the doors and asking for us to, like, pray for them, asking to see God healed. And I think it's because God tonight wants us to be, he wants us to hunger for that. Acts 5 isn't there so you can say, that's awesome that the apostles could do that. Acts 5 is there so that you can say, yeah, I want in. Me too, I want my church to be a place where people are busting down the doors so they can just get near the Jesus people to figure out what it's like. And I get that there's like a tension there because there's, I mean, there's the world that we see and there's what we read about Jesus saying. And anytime we come to that tension, we get to make a decision. We get to make a decision of, am I gonna believe him or am I gonna believe what I know and what I've seen? that same decision that was given to the people who could have joined the Jesus followers. And so I wanna take, take us deeper into that tension tonight. I don't wanna leave it there. I don't think that God's afraid of that tension, and I think he is inviting us in the middle of it. I'm gonna first be vulnerable with you guys in the hopes that we can then be vulnerable with each other and be open with the Lord about where we're at. This stuff for me, miracles, healing, all this. When Alex first told me that this was the text that I was gonna teach this week, I go, why, what about uh, Andoni? Like, (laughs) 
he went to school for that stuff. So get him. Then he goes, uh, he, had a, he had a baby, which we miss them. Yay, baby. Baby Montano. But then I'm like, okay, what about Jake? He was like a Bethel guy. He knows a lot about that stuff. More than me. He would have like a lot of testimony, all that stuff. Oh, Jake can't do it. So third off the bench, here I am. We're coming in. I'm ready to go. I said, okay, we're, we're going to see about this. And not because I fully believe that God heals today. That is like one of the core values of our church. And I'm like, yes, I want it. I'm for it. But then at the same time, I'm one of those, I step back and I'm like, I don't have a ton of stories about how he showed up when I asked. It was actually right before Alex asked me to teach this passage. It had been like a couple months where I feel like the Lord was really like pushing me to ask, to ask for more of it. So I had been. I, like, I myself got sick for like a long time back a couple months ago for like a couple weeks and my husband like kept praying over me. I was having people pray over me and I was like, I like want to see this. Nothing. I was like, okay, I can be sick. It's just, it's me. That's fine. So then we go, we're on, um, we're on vacation with my dad. My dad, he has pretty bad knees. So we're like hanging out with him, walking around. My dad doesn't really go to church. He definitely, he like believes in God, but we never grew up understanding, um, anything about expecting that the spirit would still do the things that he said that he does. So my dad's knee hurts. I was like, oh, I should pray for his knee. I was like, mm, that could be awkward. Like, he's my dad, but what if it doesn't work? Like, it didn't work on me. So I, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to be obedient in this because I want to see it and I believe it. And I can't just say that I believe things and then stop, stop in my head. Got to do them. So we're hanging out with my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, can I pray, pray for that knee? He's like, can you what? I'm like, pray for your knee. For what? That it, like, that it would stop hurting. What do you mean? So he's like, okay, like pretty hesitant. Let's, let's pray for his knee. Pray for it. I'm like, how's it feel? He's like, is something supposed to happen? Damn. I'm like, yeah, something's supposed to happen. Can I pray for it again? And he lets me pray for his knee again. And then he's like, okay, hey, good, good try, hun. Gives me a nudge. I'm like, okay, fun. So I go, Tyler, my husband, he's with me. And I'm like, I prayed for my dad's knee and nothing happened. Tyler's like, let's pray for him tomorrow. My husband's faith goes beyond mine by a lot. He is always the one to remind me that prayer is the first place to go. But we have, so the next night, it's me and Tyler and my dad. We're like, dad, can we pray for you again? He's like, oh gosh, yes, sure. Like you can't really, I mean, if you say that you're a Christian, someone has to pray for you, you can't really say no. So he, we're praying over my dad and like I pray for him and he's like nothing, but he's like, I'm starting to think her prayers never work. So Tyler, you go. Tyler prays for him. We're like, Dad, how do you feel? He's like, uh, not better. And he's like, but he starts like getting a little like weepy. Not like for my dad, that just means he like gets a little emotional. He doesn't cry really. And, but he starts praying for us. And he's just like, God, thank you like for faith in people. He's like, I, he had like forgotten it was there. And he's like, and thank you that it's my kids. And thank you that they believe these things. And I was like, that's like, you guys don't know my dad, but that's like breakthrough for my dad. Even though I was like, would have liked the knee. But <laughs> we, got to see, we got to see breakthrough because of faith we had in asking for healing for his knee. I was like, this is sweet. And I was like, and honestly, like breakthrough of the heart is so much bigger than breakthrough for the body and so much more lasting. And so... I actually am just kind of realizing that now that was like a success story. I was coming in this like, I don't have any. That's cool. So then we get home. My husband, he gets really sick on the way home on the plane. And he's like 
Bria, pray for me. I'm like, I know that mine do not work for this. I'm like, okay, I'll pray for you. So I put my hand on him. I'm like, Lord, please. I'm like doing a little peek because it was like a rash. So I was like praying that it would go away. And I'm like peeking out of one eye. Like, oh, is it going anywhere? I'm like, it's on. Uh, 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 nope. So pray for him a few times, nothing. And I think at that point, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm frustrated. But I'm also like laughing because I'm like, Lord, I'm going to keep asking for this until I see it. Like, at the same time that I'm, I'm frustrated and there's like that tinge of disappointment, I'm like, no, no, I know that you do this. I have testimony from my friends. I have testimony from your word. I have testimony from your people that this is what you do and I want it. And Saints Hill, Acts is not just for me to tell me like, hey, this is something you should want. This is something you should keep asking for. It is for our church. It is for all of us that God would free us up through testimony like this, testimony of others that you hear, to ask for stories of our own, to say, God, I want to see it. I want to see you do that for me. And I believe that this year is going to be a year for our church that anyone who wants them is going to get stories of their own. It's going to take the boldness to ask. And I, I get it that asking can be scary. There's reasons to not, to not ask. Um, I felt them. I've gone through them. I've been in that tension, and still am, a lot of the time. I had, when I first came into this teaching, I was like, I've had like a nice list of like, here's the reasons why society doesn't like healing, why the church in the West doesn't see healing, and I think those are important discussions. Um, actually, some really good resources for those discussions. John Tyson at Church of the City in New York, he just did an amazing teaching about miracles. It's called Jesus Stuff. Look it up. It's worth it. Only like an hour of your time. And then another book, um, Power Healing by John Wimber, another one that you should, if you're interested in seeing like basically that tension of faith and the, the reasons and kind of what the biblical basis is behind that, take a look at them. But I was on a walk this morning, that's how short notice this was, but I was on a walk this morning and I had my, had my list of reasons, I was praying through this teaching and I feel like the Lord was like, just, just focus on the one. And I was like, the one. I was like, dang it, I know which one that is. And it's the least one that I want to focus on, but that's okay. There's reasons that people don't, that we don't want to step in to asking for healing, that we don't want to ask to see the miracles of God. And the biggest one, I think, for our church that we need to wrestle with, it goes beyond, I don't think the theological arguments really sit with us. You guys wouldn't really be here if you didn't believe that God did stuff today. Um, I don't think it's about the weird stuff that we've seen the church do. I've talked, like, I think for the most part, we're able to look at the movements of God and not the people that mess up in those movements and be able to tell a difference. But I think the one that God's highlighted for us tonight is that he wants to deal with our disappointment. He wants to deal with the times that we come, that we ask, and it doesn't happen. That we say, God didn't. And so I don't ask because I have asked and nothing happened. I have asked and I was embarrassed, or I have asked, and it caused pain for the person that I asked for because nothing happened. And there's all the reasons that we can say to say, nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna self-protect. I'm gonna protect me, I'm gonna protect the people around me, and I'm not gonna ask because I don't think I can stand the disappointment. I think that the fear of not wanting to ask, the fear of disappointment is exactly where God wants to meet us. Because he's not afraid of our disappointment. He's not afraid of us looking at him and saying, hey, you let me down. You can be disappointed. You can be mad. You can be frustrated. But every time that you feel that, you're faced with a decision. Disappointment can't just sit there. 
can't just be, I live disappointed now. We get a decision to continue to believe or we can keep the disappointment. We can keep the frustration. There's a great quote from Alan Scott and he says, if we are believers, we believe, which by its very definition means that we hope. Hope and disappointment can't live together. I cannot fully hope in God if I'm living with disappointment in him. So it is okay for us to feel disappointed. It's okay for us to be frustrated. And actually what children do, they take that to their father, take it to him. But our disappointment can't decide our theology. And we can't call ourselves believers if we choose to live with it, to hold it, to make that be what makes our decisions. We take it to Jesus and we let him define what we believe, not how disappointed that we feel. There was, um, so that book that I mentioned, the one by John Wimber, The Power Healing Book. So John Wimber, if you guys don't know who he is, he's like the guy for the Vineyard Church movement. If you know anything about Vineyard, healing is their stuff. They're, they get to see it. They see a lot of it. But John Wimber's testimony, like I read it and I was like, never would have thought. He has a story. So when the movement was first starting and they were meeting in a house church and he was learning about healing, learning about the miracles of God, getting to make that decision of, okay, am I gonna believe or am I gonna just like protect myself from disappointment? I get to pick one or the other. And so he picked, okay, I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna ask for the things of, things of Jesus. And he's like, okay. And then I felt, he said he felt that God wanted him to do an altar call for healing. So pumped, he's like, yeah, altar call. We're gonna see people healed. Altar call his church, calls everybody up. Nobody gets healed. He's like, that was embarrassing. The next week, he's, so God asked me to do it again. Does it the next week? Same thing. Nothing happened. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask for this anymore. After the weeks of altar calls and asking, he's like, I'm done. And there's a quote from him from that story, and he says, one day I became so angry that I closed my Bible and I said, I will not teach about healing anymore. And then God spoke to me clearly and said, preach my word or get out. Get out, I asked fearfully, what do you mean get out? The Lord ignored my question, spoke to my heart and said, preach my word, not your experience. He continued with his church to pray for the sick for 10 more months before there was breakthrough before he got to see God say yes to what he was asking. And he said he realized that day that he didn't have to beg for God to show up. Mercy's part of God's character. We need to remember God's character. And it's freely available. He said, our job is to obey, pray, rely on his sovereign mercy, and God's job is to heal. So he said, I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna preach your word, not my experience. I'm gonna believe your word, not my experience. And I'm gonna say, God heal. And I'm gonna keep asking. And that's where we get to make the decision too. And honestly, for most of us, God is like when you're learning about healing and you're learning about gifts of the spirit and you're asking, God's gonna meet you like this. God's gonna meet you and he's gonna give you a yes much of the time. That 10 month story of waiting, it's like a dramatic example. But I think one that he gave John Wimber for a purpose to teach us and to teach all people who are struggling with that tension of believing. But we're, we're in a moment where it's a now and not yet moment. Like we get to see the kingdom of God, we get to see breakthrough, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, but there's also the presence of a real enemy and his desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants to twist the good things of God into something ugly and sick and out of design, which is what sickness is, which is what disease is, it's what sin is, it's outside his design. And that's why we can't deny the presence of pain, it's there, see it. We can't deny the fact that sometimes we ask and it doesn't happen. But even though we don't deny the presence of pain, we cannot give it the last word. 
We cannot give our disappointment, our pain, or our frustration the final word. We must trust the character of God, the word of God, and we give him the final word. And we know that we will see breakthrough because of his character. We look at Jesus. We look at the God that came to earth who's compassionate and loving and patient and kind and wants to know you and walk with you. That The whole point of giving a living temple to walk around is so that his healing presence could be given to the world, so his blessing could be given to the world. That's God. And we want to be a people who trust God's character, God's word, over what we experience in a torn world. And that we're going to see him move and in line with his character. So I'm asking for that tonight. I'm bringing my disappointments. I'm bringing them to the feet of Jesus. And I'm saying you can have this. I'm gonna trust you to be who you say you're gonna be. And I think, you guys, if we all honestly step back and really think about the reasons why we don't ask, are they really enough to miss out? Are they really worth it to miss out on what God wants to do? Is it really worth it to say, mm, no, I'm not into like the stuff I'm seeing in Acts 5 just because, I, I, I don't know, not worth it. I don't think any of us would count that cost and really arrive there. We want this. We want to see the things of Acts 5. We want to see God move. And not necessarily because we just want to see God move, but we want to see his compassion expressed to the world. Another great um, quote from Alan Scott, he says, we do not heal the sick because we want to see God move in power. We heal the sick because it is an expression of divine compassion. It is what integrity does when it's confronted with brokenness. We long to make him visible for people to encounter him. That's the goal, that we want to encounter Jesus and we want the world to encounter him. It's, we're not after power. We're not after miracles. We're not meaning here saying, yeah, we just want to like see the God stuff. No, we want to encounter God. And what always comes with that is the God stuff because that's what he does. So if you want to see him, you're going to see it and he's going to challenge you and he's going to ask you to step in and he's going to ask you to risk and you can say yes and you can see more of him. Jesus touched people because of how great his love was for them, his compassion. He reached into the world and he showed them his design. And now he's doing that with us, with his people. He's saying, be the ones, be my hands and feet to reach out, to touch the world and show them what my design is. Show them what my intention is. Show them my love for them. We don't want to miss out on that kind of partnership. I believe that as our hunger as a church grows to see God, to see him move as we ask him to be who he says he will be, that we are going to see his kingdom come here and now. That's what we want. We talk about it, and we talk about it a lot, and we're excited, but there's, I think there's something building that it's going to go from the excitement of a few to the excitement of this whole group of people to go and to touch a city, to touch a world, that it's going to go from the testimony that we've heard from going and being like, hey, oh yeah, like, my teacher told like a great story this week about how they saw God heal this guy to being like, this weekend I was at the grocery store and I prayed for this lady and like she can walk now. And there's gonna be stories like that for each of us. There's gonna be stories like that that we get to walk with and that we get to call our own. And there's the shift that happens when you move from just hearing stories when you're a part of them. And that's what God wants to do. Is he wants to partner with you. He wants to give you your stories. He wants to speak your identity. He wants to tell you who he is and invite you into that. There's a river behind our apartment building, and I was walking that this morning, and I, got, I looked out at the river, and it's like a, it's the slow part of the river, so it's wide, and it's slow, and there's not like a ton going on, but I was like looking at just the little ripples as it moved, and I feel like God just gave me a thought, 
that if there's this part of the river that's just little ripples, but if I was to step into that river and keep following it, I'd eventually get to the part where there's like rapids and white water, right? I'd eventually get to the point where the river's moving more and more, and eventually, even past that, if I kept going, there would be a waterfall. There would be this power that you can't deny. There would be a power that you could see, that everyone can see, that people come to see. And that there's this sense that the waterfall is what we're seeing in Acts. I think we're seeing the ripples now. I think we can see them. We see like testimony every week of people that come forward and are seeing God move. But I think God wants us to just, wherever you're at in that river, to step in and to keep going. And that we're all gonna get to be at that waterfall, that he's moving us that direction. That we would get to see his power on display. And I know that means that we can't stay safe. But honestly, if we're people who say that we wanna follow Jesus, we already decided that we don't wanna be safe. We already decided that that's not the life that we want because we would way rather have life with him. Following Jesus is to say yes to all the risk and a life that sometimes feels like the cost is great. We are also saying yes to a life of partnership, of renewal, of compassion, of wholeness, a love that you were made for. And if we weigh it, count it as gain. (laughs) We're winning. He's inviting us to look at him again, to see who he is, his love, his tenderness, the way of Jesus, of God who became a man and he took the grief, he took the sorrow, he showed us what he wants the world to look like. Jesus walked to the world and said, I'm gonna heal, I'm gonna touch, I'm gonna display what the love of God has looked like, I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna be here for the world. I'm gonna go to them. He took it and ultimately he took all of our sin and he died with it so that we could get this vision for life, so that we could be the place where his presence dwells. And he's inviting us tonight to just believe him. To say, I don't just like think I believe you. I don't just think. We we wanna be a people who think. We wanna be a people who wrestle. I think tonight invites us to wrestle with the tension, but we wanna go past thinking to believing. And believing requires action. In John 7, 37, it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was speaking about the spirit whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Those who believed would later receive, and that's us. Those streams of living water, the spirit of God of the world, bringing renewal, bringing compassion, bringing mercy, they flow from you. You just got, we gotta step in.